the, the skill that we're developing of keep applying wholesome thoughts. Keep bringing these thoughts back to wholesome. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And when we practice that way, we begin to feel that way. And that's the marvelous part. If we keep telling ourselves how nice things are, we begin to feel it. Uh, yes, as we were talking about before, uh, it's really good for people to meet each other. Mm. We get around each other in the Dhamma so that we can uh, have, uh, basically, it's the association. The more people you have around who are considering that it's better to have wholesome thoughts than unwholesome thoughts, the more likely you're going to have wholesome thoughts around. (laughs) Okay. That's one way of expressing it. But you can also see that that happens in many, many places. For instance, AA recommends that the people who are joining AA to get out of their alcoholism stop going to the bar and stop hanging out with the people that they uh, used to hang out with. Mm. Okay. And that when uh, the military, when the army takes some guy, it doesn't leave him all day uh, at the army base and all night back at home anymore. No, they take him 100% of the time and put him in the army 24 mm. seven. Yeah. That's immersion. If you really want to learn a foreign language, go to a country where they speak that foreign language, where nobody is speaking any other language but that language. And then you're immersed in it and you got to learn it. Okay. Guess what? Nobility works the same way. Mm. If you're around a bunch of nobles, then the nobility naturally begins to rub off on folks. Mm. And this is well known within the Sangha. Another way of talking about it, in fact, is a really silly way of talking about it. Imagine the difference between a kid in kindergarten where there's uh, one worker and, and eight kids versus one child that has an expended family. So that is one child and eight adults. Now, which Mm. child is going to get what kind of education? Well, the the child surrounded by all the adults is going to get a slightly different education to the one surrounded by a load of kids. But Mm -hmm. I imagine the one surrounded by a load of kids is probably going to have a bit more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're cooking, right? In fact, there's advantages and disadvantages in that particular situation, but you can sure see that this group of people is going to have a completely different effect upon that child than this group of people. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Ah, so this is what we mean by the environment, and this is what's so valuable with the Dhamma is getting into a Dhamma environment Mm. to be around other people who have the like mind. I've looked on and, Google for Watts near me, but mm-hmm. because of COVID, they're all closed yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. That won't the, last forever, but for yeah, now, yeah. that's how it is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for, for, for the job that I do, I uh, tutor English uh, for like uh, Japanese, Korean, Thai people. And so COVID is a very, very popular talking point. And, uh, yeah, let's just hope it all goes away soon. <laughs> They're very serious about it here in Thailand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though there's not one case on this island, still, everyone wears a mask in public. 
safety first and all that. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, um, back back to the issue of how the Dharma rubs off. That's really, really profound. And so even if a monk doesn't practice and doesn't care about the Dhamma, if he stays in the Sangha for 20 years, something happens and he kind of picks up on it anyway. Mm. Uh, it it's just sort of built, comes with the territory. And you can see in so many places where that happens. If a guy gets married, he stops uh, associating with his bachelor friends in fact that's the bachelor party is kind of a goodbye party mm, yeah, yeah, cause, yeah yeah it's because now he's not going to be with that crowd anymore he's going to go wherever his wife tells him to go and hang out with the people that she's hanging out with <laughs> they wind up both getting a whole new audience of married people to associate with yeah yeah, yeah. uh so this whole issue about big changes in one life really ha has an effect and i don't think that your average dhamma dude reading a dhamma book and starting to practice meditation and and uh getting on reddit is quite what i mean by the immersion <laughs> reddit <laughs> immersion oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes i understand <laughs> Why? Because there's as likely to be unwholesome thoughts on Reddit as there are to be wholesome thoughts that you don't. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, that's not something that's in Buddhism yet, um, is this whole quality of we got to do this stuff correctly. We got to do it wholesomely. Mm -hmm. um, but we can, in fact, begin to deal with each other that way. Mm -hmm. We can begin to have noble friends, friends that we treat nobly as if they were top quality, high currency people. Mm. And if we treated each other that way, then we would begin to, as a group, be that way. Mm. Uh, and so this is all the um, amount of going back to that issue of wholesomeness. And uh, Ben, you know, last time, in fact, for several times in a row, we were working with the analogy of the cow herd with the stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a new analogy now. Oh, go on, let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The new analogy is of going to the um, um, the flea market or to the used furniture store or something and finding an old table that's got lots of scratches and dents and wax and whatnot like that, but it's quite sturdy and stable. Mm. And it looks like it is of value. Mm. It's just been really neglected. Oh. Okay. And so we buy that table for a dollar or so and we take it home and then we go in and we buy a three dollar can of wax. <laughs> okay. But then when we get home and we recognize how much work that wax is going to take, we say, well, maybe I can go buy one that's got, that's got easier that I don't have to rub so hard. So then we go and we buy another can of wax and then another. Pretty soon we come, we have the table completely piled high with Dhamma books. So I mean, cans of um, <laughs> wax. <laughs> <laughs> so you get my uh, drift there, right? Yeah. This yeah. is what happens is, is that we get intellectually involved with getting more and more and more wax. 
but we still really haven't started rubbing yet. Mm. And this is where we need to get around with others. And in fact, the best way to learn how to do the things that they do at a gym is by going to a gym and doing it with the way with the guys who were doing it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a very this good way is, to look at that. And that's the same thing that's true with almost anything. That if you're going to go uh, learn pottery, go around people who are doing pottery. Yeah, I've got I've got a, a few meditation related books, and I mean I feel like I've gotten more out of the 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 Skype calls that we've had than reading all these books. It's just really not the same. The, the two are completely, you can't compare them. You really can't. Well, one of the things that happens, even with the Skype calls, the magic of the internet is um, that sound and movements, visual movements, can be uh, sent out as emotions converted into electrons back into sounds and motions and interpreted as feelings. Mm. Now that's magic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very magical. And so with that kind of magic, uh, the Dhamma can be transmitted that way in the sense of setting the students on fire or the students setting each other on fire to become building up that enthusiasm for correct practice. Mm. that we see the benefit from it and we recognize how valuable it is and so that too that enthusiasm for the Dhamma rubs off mm-hmm. and so uh, that rubbing off of the enthusiasm for the Dhamma is what could be said in statements like come on baby light my fire <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> and, and in, in a way that is what we by the transmission when we're talking about lineage. The lineage transmission is not transmitting information. Mm. That the lineage transmission is is transmitting, you know, the, the teacher him, himself or the, uh, the empire, the enthusiasm, uh, all of that as a sum package cannot be given as whole to the student. The student has to pick up on that and blow and nurture his own fire. And so working together like that, the students can help nurture and uh, kindle each other's fires. Mm-hmm. And this is quite useful. So I really uh, like it that through Skype, when students meet like this, you guys become best of friends and talk behind my back and all of that <laughs> kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because all of that tends to continue to rub rub that table. Mm. So rather than having all the Dhamma books and Dhamma ideas and whatnot, we start rubbing, giving back rubs or uh, massaging or soothing. This is the whole point. And this is one's right effort is that keep rubbing and keep rubbing and keep rubbing and keep rubbing. This is the, the skill that we're developing of keep applying wholesome thoughts. Keep bringing these thoughts back to wholesome. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And when we practice that way, we begin to feel that way. And that's the marvelous part. If we keep telling ourselves how nice things are, we begin to feel it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We feel that way. But if we talk to ourselves about how much work we have to do tomorrow, we can work ourselves up to, into a tizzy, which we often do. We know how to do that. Oh, very good at that. <laughs> we have a lot of practice doing that. <laughs> okay. So now that means we got to practice the other. Mm-hmm. It really does require practice. It really does require that uh, that that rubbing that you guys are quite experts at scratching on the table. <clears throat> you scratch it, dig in. I got to find that joy in there someplace. <laughs> yeah. And so we scratch and dig and and uh, complain and all of that kind of stuff when we could have been having a ball. About a whole life of doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's amazing how we have wasted all of our lives, and we don't even yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wasting over... our lives, caring about things that weren't worth caring for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of of recent, I've, I've, I don't know, been better at catching myself, not being in the moment and aware of what's around me. And like having those wake up moments, I suppose, I've just been better at having them. And I've really been noticing just, wow, we really do spend a lot of time up here mm-hmm. when should be spending a lot of when time. When we got an entire universe right around us <laughs> yeah. here. I mean, the universe is not on the other side of the universe. It's right here. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> And to think of, instead of living in the reality of the real world and the universe and our surroundings and our environment, instead we create something that's not even as good and live in that. Mm. Yeah. We live in our own fantasy world and our fantasy never is as good as our fantasies could be. Yeah, the fantasy is really crap sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Especially in the sense of being in the victim's position of wanting things to be better. Mm. Complaining, wanting improvements, being dissatisfied with the way things are. We're trained into that. Mm -hmm. We're trained into being a victim. And on top of that, we were naturally a victim because we were born as a child. If I had been born as an old man, I wouldn't have been a victim quite as long. (laughs) (laughs) if i only knew then what i know now (laughs) you ever had those kind of thoughts yes yeah guess what right now you do know that that the stuff that you didn't know then which means for sure you are now not what you were then yes that's not who you were or not, not who you are now something completely different yes and whereas a lot of people will go their lives not realizing that or trying to stay the victim you know we are actively trying to change that which is really damn good Mm -hmm. not trying to change it we are changing yes because the trying to change it indicates that we're still the victim trying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's we Start listening to the kind of words we use. <laughs> we can see where those victims are built right into the language that we use. So, yes, we can. We can do this. Mm. We don't even have to try at it. It becomes 
easy or natural. Um, that in fact, one of the ways of looking at that is, is that as we begin, we start with right effort and that sometimes effort takes real effort. But generally, as we progress and we begin then to change our attitude or the samasankata in that regard, now we become more enthusiastic and enthusiasm becomes the fuel for the effort. Mm-hmm. Make it the effort easy. Not only have we developed the skills of effort, but now we've got, you know, like jet fuel for it. <laughs> enthusiasm. So that makes make it, it now enjoyable. Effort, yeah, now the effort is almost non-existent. As soon as I think about a breath, there it comes. Mm-hmm. Not even, a, don't have to have a, a one or two mind moment delay while we bring up the effort to do it. It just happens. Just pop. Pops right up, no effort at all. But the same thing begins to happen with wholesome thoughts. Mm. We begin to, uh, as soon as we recognize that the thought that I'm having is an ordinary thought, not taking me anywhere, and because it's not taking me anywhere, is a hindrance to going way off into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wild blue yonder. So let's have some wild blue yonder thoughts instead. <laughs> okay. But guess what? I've already had wild blue yonder thoughts by talking about having wild blue yonder thoughts. And so we're already in it. You see how quick that goes. Mm-hmm. It just, oh, you're in it. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no delay between the thoughts in when effort is really easy, but it becomes practiced so that it does become easy. And mm-hmm. so not only then uh, do, does the rubbing begin to shine and polish the table, but the rubbing actually gets easy. You could almost think as if we're building up mental muscles. The very muscles that got tired when we were rubbing yesterday are now brand new muscles that can really rub today. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in that regard, you can say that those skills are growing. Our uh, talents are increasing. That our muscle, our mental muscle, we're getting very strong, strong-minded. <sighs> Oh, he's exactly right. We, we're winners. We're, we're champions here. <laughs> this is the Lions Club. <laughs> that Lions confidence. Right. The confidence of the lion. The confidence, I've got this. Mm. And that happens because we know that we can bring the mind wholesome mm. over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So that repetitive quality is there. Not only do we know that this Dhamma is correct, but as we practice it more and more, we become even more and more sure that this is correct. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the doubt just is eradicated because we know for sure that this is the right path. This is the way to go. Yeah, joy, man, that's the way. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's something I've definitely noticed more of. I know a couple weeks back I was in a bit of a rut just noticing unwholesome but then being like ah where do i go but now i'm definitely noticing the unwholesome and then picturing myself like spinning back kicking it off a cliff and making it really entertaining uh and comical so it's more fun to do and able to get out of it like that The, the thought and the attitude that negative thoughts and emotions build up. Mm. That is just an unwholesome thought. 
Mm. Now, wait a minute. Let's think about this for a second. Um, here's another way of expressing it. I see Dukkha over there. I see Dukkha here. I see Dukkha there. I see Dukkha there. Dukkha, Dukkha, Dukkha everywhere. And that's when it goes unwholesome. Seeing the Dukkha and then making Dukkha where Dukkha does not exist everywhere. Because Dukkha mm -hmm. does not exist everywhere. Okay, because if we have the feeling of Dukkha, Dukkha everywhere, the next thought is, oh, poor me, what am I going to do about it? So we're already in Dukkha by mm -hmm. claiming that it's everywhere. We don't know that. We can just say Dukkha, 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 Dukkha. Wow, I'm glad I'm not there. <laughs> We don't have to say that it's everywhere. So these are the kind of examples of very subtle things mm -hmm. that happen in the mind where we will fall into dukkha when there's no need to. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the whole idea then of being on guard and being alert and being aware to any thoughts that keep us from being in a great state of joy, including dukkha, dukkha everywhere, is an unwholesome thought because it brings on dukkha. But if you have another kind of thought, ah, I see you, Dukkha. Now, that's a different kind of thought with a different kind of feeling to it. This one is much more of a wholesome way of looking at it. Ah, I see you, and I see you, and I see you, too. Got you guys wired. There ain't no <laughs> dust on me. But when we say Dukkha, 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 oh, there's Dukkha everywhere. Now I've fallen into victimhood. Mm-hmm. And so we certainly can see the dukkha, but we're not going to become overwhelmed by we're lions, you know. This is Lions Club. We've got to get up there and get that mojo going. In fact, here's something that's really cute, and that is the word mojo is in the Pali language. Oh, is it? And it means the same thing. <laughs> oh. And I don't know where the English language word came from, but there is a poly word that has that in it. Mojo. So it's almost I it was like, like Japanese or something. But maybe mm. not. It does sound Japanese, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it also has a lot of anamanapia to it. In the sense sure, that sure. the word itself indicates what the action is. <laughs> And so that may be part of the uh, the thing. But in any way, that's what we're talking about is let's get the mojo going. Let's get our attitude up. Let's get that can do. But that can do is only going to generate itself as an attitude based upon the confidence of success. If you don't practice and we don't get any success, then that confidence is not going to grow. Mm. But once yeah. we get that. OK, so that means that we got to keep rubbing that table. Keep rubbing it, but we also have to look at the shine from time to time. Step back yeah. and go, damn. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good stuff here. Yeah, and then we keep rubbing. Never mind. Start again, and let's keep rubbing. Let's keep building that sati. Let's keep going here. And this is how the whole thing is done, is one wholesome thought after another after another. After that, then the question would be, well, what do we do now that every thought is wholesome one after the other? The answer is now we're really going to start the noting if this is the Mahasi method, or now we're really going to start using the mind that is fit for work because we just spent all of this time getting the mind fit for work. I mean, gosh, it took me about eight seconds to do that. 
<laughs> so now that I've got the mind all ready to go, what are we going to do with it? The answer is, is that we're going to put it on guard duty. Mm -hmm. We're guarding to make sure that the thoughts continue to be wholesome. And we're going to put it on guard duty in the sense of also beginning to closely inspect things that are there that are wholesome. That do exist. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are some of the things that exist in this? Well, the kind of states of mind and the way that we feel. For instance, how is my pity? How is my joy? How is my sukha? How is my investigation? Mm -hmm. How is my sati? Okay, so we begin to investigate how we're actually applying the Eightfold Noble Path. We can also look at it in the sense of the five aggregates that, in fact, in this um, Satipatthana Sutta, in the last section in the Dhamma it has the five hindrances and then the five aggregates and the seven factors of enlightenment and the four noble truths in that order. But you go to that section of uh, the Anapanasati Sutta, and what they're talking about there is the arising and the passing away, the arising and the passing away, and it looks very confusing. But then you go to another sutta and you find out all really what's going on is that you get the mind into a really wholesome state and then you watch these wholesome things that are associated with the five aggregates and uh, the seven factors of enlightenment and you watch them arise and pass away. Mm -hmm. That everything is in a state of flux. But you see, if we're looking at unwholesome things as they arise and passing away, that's like living our whole life in the junkyard. <laughs> we really don't need to do that. I mean, we are not uh, uh, garbage collectors. <laughs> it, at least, you know, there's better things to do with the mind than sitting around collecting a bunch of garbage. Yes. Okay, yes. so that means that we throw out the unwholesome thoughts. And now that the mind is one wholesome thought after another, after another, which is fairly close to the definition of first jhana, especially when you add the, the, the joy, the good feelings, the pity, the sukha. And so now that we've gotten into the first jhana, that's what we're going to look at are these jhana factors because they're real and here they are. They're almost overwhelming. So let's start looking at exuberance. Let's start looking at overwhelming joy. The, the, the pity. Let's start looking at the sukha in the sense of what does it feel like to feel completely secure? Because I've been, I know what it is to feel afraid, but what does it feel to be really, really secure? Mm -hmm. What does it feel to be really contented, to be really satisfied? And so we begin to inspect sukha, we begin to inspect the pity. We begin to move it around, knowing that when pity is rising, sukha is falling away and back and forth like this, mm -hmm. that they're this almost like a symphony or a song. Then one will play a little passage and another one will play a little passage. The only difference is that these passages that I'm talking about happen in a tenth of a second, not in ten measures mm -hmm. of music. They're really fast, arising and passing away, that things are uh, quite active in there. Uh, and before we thought that it was all turmoil, but now we're beginning to watch the interactions and how things actually operate in a wholesome mind. We begin to see patterns emerge 
and we begin to see the cause and effect relationships. And then we begin to see how the mind actually works, how it functions. And by doing so, we also begin to figure out, wait a minute, there's no me in here. There's no, um, there, there's no me ingredient. There's no a nut or a carnal or a soul or a whatever in there that defines the whole show. It is all process. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's all process. But the feelings of me are part of the process if the process goes off in that particular direction. Which would be feelings of I'm afraid or I'm angry or I'm sad. But when the feelings are the feelings of jubilation, there's not much selfishness there. When you're jubilating, everybody's jubilating. Everything is jubilating. The whole world is jubilating when you're jubilating, you know. And so jubilate and watch the world jubilate with you. (laughs) Yeah. Or go get depressed and watch your whole world get depressed. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So this is how we operate in the sense of always coming back that we've got the responsibility to rub that table. Keep those thoughts hopeful. Keep coming back. Keep whacking that cow. The choka, you know, rawhide. We got to keep going after that because if we do and get the mind wholesome, now we can really investigate. Mm. what's worthy of investigation how actually does the mind work what is perception what is its function what is feeling how do how does uh, uh perception create feeling so mm. that if we bring perception to an end does that also not bring feeling to an end leaving only consciousness pure awareness left mm. big question are you running are you no, here this running? is not a big question. This is a big look at it. <laughs> a big investigation. <laughs> a big investigation, precisely. Mm. What are you running? Uh, yeah, I was. I was going to ask if you were. Are you referring here to the depending origination uh, part Pre- here, or precisely? I am actually giving lessons in. Uh, dependent origination, but I'm doing it from the position of having a very sharp mind as opposed to the way that it's normally taught. Because the way that it's normally taught after feelings, the uh, the Vedana comes Upadana, Tanha, Bhava, Jati, Dukkha. Well, guess yeah. what? The mind is completely wholesome, is wise at that point in contact, and the feelings that we have are not going to take us into any of the woeful states, and that our particular samapada is, in fact, whacked in half, and all we have are feelings without the desires or the wants or any of that going with it, because we're in this state completely satisfied. Yes, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, my understanding is that we want to break like at around Vedna, which is uh, like what kind of like gives this like wanting or not wanting feeling. Uh, am I wrong in interpreting in this way? Or? No, you're not. But that if I have to say it like this, I can say that is lesson number 101 and we're le- doing lesson 201 right now. Yeah, which comes to one of the other questions that I had actually for today, which was, is there any point into diving into dependent origination when one is like so in the beginning of the practice? 
Um, the answer to that is yes and no. The yes part of it is, is that the, uh, the correct and full understanding of the second noble truth, which is a very basic step, is to see it in the action of Patitu Samapada only in the sense that with feeling gives rise to wanting and wanting and clinging gives rise to the, the owner. Ownership brings upon an owner. And that is the selfishness. And so selfishness is that which creates us our uh, dukkha. The uncomfortableness is selfishness itself. This can be understood right from the very beginning because we want students to be able to see their selfishness when they're in it. Yes. So that we can begin to come out of it. And, mm -hmm. and so... The um, let us say then the catbird's position for the beginner is what Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa calls wisdom at the point of contact. Mm. Why? That means that you are wise to your feelings, which means that if you're wise to your feelings, then you can manage them the way that you would want to. We're way ahead of that. That's ordinary mind. We're in jhana now. Mm. What that means is, is that now that we've gotten so control of the mind that the kind of thoughts that we have do not generate the kinds of feelings that we were talking about before. The new kinds of feelings that are generated are wise feelings, the, the feelings of comfort, security, safety, everything's mm -hmm. okay, uh, nurturing feelings, okay. But the other feelings that come with that are the feelings of, I want it, and ignorantly, I want it, or excuse me, I like it. See, the kind of feelings that we have when we are wise is, is that we like it because we've got it, not like it and therefore want it. So liking it and wanting it is, is, is different. And this yes. is how we, like, you see the girl down the street, you like her, and now you want her. Mm. Yeah, and you're thinking exactly. about getting her phone number and other articles of clothing. Yeah, that's why Vedna would be the the, uh, the 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 point where we break the cycle, um, not at that's the craving right. or something that's like that. That's right. That's the place to wake up. Yes. That, well, anybody, and in fact, all the people do, will wake up at one of the later stages, at craving or whatever like that. You can actually yes. see how far will an argument go before people finally wake up mm -hmm. okay yeah. some of them can go really deep into it but they don't get violent sometimes yes. violence is not enough <laughs> sometimes we need a shovel <laughs> mm -hmm. we got to bury this situation because i didn't stop myself in time right mm. so we don't it so that's the whole point is is the sooner that we wake up to the dukkha the better and the very place uh best place to wake up to it for the beginner is at that point in feeling. How do you feel? How do yes. you feel right now? Okay. Mm -hmm. But for the meditator, we back up even one step uh, before that. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now that we can get that down to where it's not thinking anymore, but it's uh, when the thoughts are wholesome, 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 one after another, that's when we can begin to put gaps in the thoughts which means we're also putting gaps in the perception also. Mm. But at this point yes. in time, we already have the feelings under control because the only kind of feelings that we have to look at are pity and sukha, 
We do not mm. have grief, despair, anguish, fear, sadness, um, all of that kind of stuff. We don't have that now. We don't have any unwholesome feelings. We only have wholesome feelings, which means now with those wholesome feelings and with a sharp mind, we can back up even uh, earlier in the Paticca Samupada sequence of events. Mm. That's what we're actually getting at here. Can you get down to the point that the scene is merely the scene? And we don't have to think about it, cognize it, uh, or try to make anything out of it. We just allow visual input to remain visual input. Mm-hmm. And we allow the herd to be merely the herd so that we don't try to process it and think, oh, that's Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. I know what that is. Because while I'm saying all of that to myself, I'm not listening to the music. Mm-hmm. Okay, so perception means constantly listening. Excuse me, excuse me. Consciousness means constantly conscious of it or constantly listening, constantly hearing, constantly being in senses, as opposed to being in salyatana, which is the internal cycle Mm. of thinking. Mm. Being aware of it, rather. And the normal sequence of events at this point is consciousness followed by perception and perception in order to do its job grabs a a device called sankara which is all of our past and we use the past to make sense out of the present once we've made sense out of the present that's what we live by that's the salayatana it's not reality at all it's what we've made out of reality every human being does not live in reality they live in a, a world that is a constructed reality and that the closer it is to the actual reality, the better off they are. And the further away the constructed reality is from actual reality, the more they suffer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're adding new things into it. Mm-hmm. And what are they normally adding things into? The way they used to feel. Mm-hmm. And so now the way that we perceive the world is the way we used to feel. So when that world contacts us already polluted with our feelings and a sense of self and all of that, when that contact happens, that's why the feelings are now bad feelings is Mm. because we added those bad feelings at the point of perception. Would you say that things like traumas are sankaras? That's right. That's exactly what they are. Yeah. And sometimes those sand cars will run somebody's life. Yeah. So is there any any is there any uh like I think it is from my understanding, uh I think it is worth it to uh to like dissolve those sankaras even very early into the path in because it helps generating those wholesome thoughts as well. Yes, okay, let's go with that. It helps to dissolve them is true statement. So we can finish that statement by saying, well, how are we going to dissolve them? One of them is by not feeding them. Yes. In other words, if we stop digging in the past and dealing with the past and ruminating over the past and thinking about the past, then the likelihood of the next thought about being the past is less. Yes. This is why this is almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy or a positive feedback loop. Mm -hmm. The the positive feedback loop that uh, everybody knows about is when Tundra 
when the when the tundra gets warm, the ice on the top gets uh, melts, and then mm. the tundra itself is dark color, which except, which gives more heat, and so it's a positive feedback loop, and, and the heat goes up. Here we're mm -hmm. talking about the same thing. The positive feedback loop is once you start into wholesome new thoughts, we stop giving the old unwholesome thoughts any shrift at all. And when we do see them come up, we whack them all. See, we're not it's... trying to dig them up. We're not trying to dig them up by the root. Think about it like this. Imagine that you had a weed that was growing up in the crack of a sidewalk. In order to completely rid that root and to, uh, and that weed and pull it up completely, we got to remove the cement, and that's not a good idea. You know, we're gardeners; we're not uh, uh, construction engineers. <laughs> we don't right. even have to put that cement back together. But what we can do is, every time that weed comes up, we can whack it off. Hmm. How long does that weed last if we keep whacking it off every time it comes up, hmm. or will it wither and die? Guess what? Neurons are like weeds. If we don't use them, they'll atrophy. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happens with the with the human brain, is that certain neurons atrophy and new ones get pumped up based upon what the mind is doing. Mm -hmm. So that means it, it's better to not think about the past, about, ruminate about the past, or remember how we used to feel about the past. We could just stay out of the past altogether and rather work with keeping wholesome thoughts in this present moment. So mm -hmm. now we're, we're nurturing the, uh, uh, the plants that we want while we're whacking the weeds off one at a time. And you've probably seen and heard farmers talk about that, that when they first plant this, this plow field, they plow it up. The first year, it has a lot of weeds. The second year, a few a fewer weeds, but a lot. The third year, even less. And pretty soon, there's very few weeds in that field. Within six mm -hmm. or seven years, they're gone, okay? Well, the human brain is like that in a way too, except that sometimes it's even much faster than that. Then the Buddha, in fact, mentioned seven years, but he also says, but this can be done in seven months. Mm -hmm. Then he says, this can be done in seven days. If we really, really apply the mind to the wholesome, one wholesome thought after another after another, we can actually, in that week's time or two weeks' time, can just about kill off all of the unwholesome neurons that have all those unwholesome thoughts and be left with left and left but wholesome thoughts. Hmm. How does one uh, distinguish the difference between... Um, a kind of like suppression of those sankharas versus a actual dissolution of those sankharas. Because, for example, um, I feel like people in general, they what they do is a kind of like suppression. Uh, they kind of like push it away or uh, don't bring it up uh, in some some whatever way. And uh, but then when something else happens in their life that triggers uh, that sankhara, then all of it comes up again, uh, which yeah, means that there's that's no... the time to push it away again. You're telling me that they just don't push it away right then because right then it's too big to push mm -hmm. away. Wouldn't 
Wouldn't I, How my else understand? are you going to let something die without suppressing it? I mean, well, what did the cops do to George Floyd? <laughs> True. Uh, right? It's yes. okay to suppress that stuff. I don't know why the psychologists have gotten to the point of saying that you can't suppress emotions. Basically, where this comes from, let me give you this. The guy who started all of that was named Fritz Perls. And Fritz Perls was a psychotherapist back in the 1950s and 60s into the 70s. And he was the one that had the, the uh, points like top dog, underdog. And he had the empty chair to where the psychologist and the client and an empty chair was there. And that he would have conversations, you know, okay, your mom's in the chair there. Have a conversation with your mom so that the mm -hmm. client could feel safe. If real mom was there, the guy would be so intimidated, he wouldn't open his yeah. mouth. But pretend mom, he can really let her hold it. Mm -hmm. He could give her what for. Mm -hmm. Fast forward just a little bit, and now we give this guy a pillow, and now he's pillow bashing that empty chair, his mom. Fast forward a couple of more years, and now you have encounter groups mm -hmm. where people are letting out their aggression, and then they even have a new industry of batons and boxing gloves and uh, 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 padded helmets and all of that, mm -hmm. and it becomes a boxing ring for psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. But they found out that that didn't work because the guys that were letting their aggression out finally in the psychotherapy were going home and beating up the wives and the dogs. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it an outward manifestation rather than dealing with the actual internal issue. Exactly. They weren't de dealing with it. They were letting it up and they were actually now recreating those neurons and putting them active again. Mm. So yes. that now they're more than likely to be in the habit of being aggressive because they got permission to be aggressive to where a lot of that stuff had kind of died out. Okay, mm -hmm. when we understand it from that, then we can give short shrift to this stuff about, oh, you shouldn't suppress emotions and look at it directly. When someone is suppressing emotions, that means that, let's say it like this. The two guys are over there fighting. They're arguing, they're yelling at each other and that I'm really interested in what they have to say. And so I go get involved with it. And now we got three people in the argument, all right? Or I can sit here and be unhappy knowing that guy A is beating the pants off of guy B, and guy mm -hmm. B doesn't even know that he's having the snot beat out of him because he's so blind. So I got to mm -hmm. go in there and help B understand that he's full of crap, right? But I don't, I sit here and I suppress that ability to get up and go in there and get involved with that fight. And then I carry all of those feelings home and my wife starts to say what B was saying. And the next thing you know, I'm in that fight with her now. Okay. Yeah. And they call that suppression. No, here's the issue. If I had sat here and been unconcerned with what those guys were doing and not worked myself up and then suppressed the workup, but mm. had suppressed it when it was tiny and not worked myself up and just says, oh, I'll let them go. I don't care about them. Mm. Then I wouldn't have gone home and beat the wife. Now, where is the issue of suppression and all of that? Uh, well, in that there's no issue. 
uh, in that sense. But it seems that we are always at the mercy of some um, higher trigger of some way uh, that will eventually be able to trigger it because the thing is always there fundamentally. Uh, yes, okay, so this is the way that we begin to practice. You're making a very important point here, Johnny. I'm really glad that you brought this up, so let's see if we can get it clarified. This is the whole reason why to practice in the beginning, to practice correctly, we want to get off into seclusion. We want to get the world as far away as we can so that we can get into seclusion and deal with the fact that we didn't get away from the world at all. We brought it with us. <laughs> yeah. And so now we have to do the second kind of seclusion, and that is the seclusion from these hindrances, these unwholesome thoughts, these thoughts of the world, and get the mind completely purified. Once we get the mind completely purified, then we can begin to look at the kinds of things that we can keep and maintain to keep the mind purified. And when we get fairly good at this, then we have the confidence that we can go out and deal with the world in a wholesome way. Most yeah. of us don't. Most yes. of us in the Western life will practice a little bit and get a little bit of confidence, and then we go out in the world and lose it. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Yes. That we, we, we are good to go while we're sitting on the cushion, and as soon as Aunt Frog says something, we croak. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which, All right. So, so, yeah, so I think we agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so what do we need to do then? Well, my we need to come back into seclusion and get the mind straightened back out again until we get it deeper ingrained into the habit so that we can go out and listen to the frogs without croaking. Then, hmm. in fact, we begin to plan on that. Hey, when my boss comes up behind me, I'm going to be cheerful with him. I am not going to freak out like I normally do. And in mm -hmm. fact, I've got a really clear example of that. One of the students about three years ago who suffered from uh, compulsive, compulsive, obsessive compulsive disorder, as well as other things, and that whenever his boss would come up, he would really freak out. He was really afraid that the boss was going to fire him. And so I gave him several techniques about how to handle, how to handle bosses, or most specifically, how to handle his own mind before the boss arrives so that he's ready for the boss. And within a year, he's calling back and say, hey, the boss wants to be, uh, start a new business and he wants me to join. Mm -hmm. From a complete vote of no confidence at all from the boss to a complete vote of confidence from the boss. And all it had to do was his change of attitude of how to deal with the boss when the boss come up. Mm -hmm. That's a clear example of what we're talking about here. Of people will uh, bop along in their meditation practice and then the boss comes in and then he, they use that as the opportunity to freak out. Mm -hmm. Or if it's not the boss coming in, maybe it's a train wreck, a real one. <laughs> yes. But whatever it is that comes by, are we ready for it? That's mm -hmm. what the confidence building is all about. So that you can say, no matter what happens, no matter how obstructed the mind gets, I can clean that stuff out and deal with the situation in reality. Mm. That it would not have to make this reality into my own pity party and then deal with a pity party instead of dealing with reality. I can always deal with reality, even if the reality is a real train wreck. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> yes. Even if so, the real reality is getting stopped by the cops. What are you going to do when you get stopped by the cops? Are you going to happily deal with them and be really good and up? He might even just let you off with a warning ticket. But if you get freaked out, he might have his knee on your neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so this is the whole question is how are you going to handle reality? The answer is I'm going to handle reality very well because I know how to do that because I built the skills mm-hmm. to do that by having wholesome thoughts. If I can learn to control my mind, I can learn to control my mouth. If I can learn to control my mouth, I can learn to control my behavior. And then that poor cop does not have to deal with my bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, would would an approach of, I suppose this would be like a more, uh, well, we start with seclusion and all of those steps, and then... At some point, would it ever be beneficial to um, to uh, bring those emotions into the act into into the equation and then practice the sense of uh, equanimity? Which emotion? Uh, Which all emotion? the sankaras, all the sankaras, and all kinds of stuff that we that causes trouble, um, and then by bringing them into the equation. Are you, within... are, you, are you saying that you want to move in and set up your bedroom in your outhouse? That's what it sounds like you're saying. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, you're saying all of the sankara and all of the emotions, whatever it is, okay? No, the Buddha says that's a bunch of crap. And let's mm. leave the crap behind and go after some more wholesome, noble stuff. Hmm which can be generated. So we leave the past behind and we create noble new over Mm. and over and over again. Okay. And so living our life is going to be living a life in a wholesome way. And then the range of emotions um, have the range of emotions that is actually quite broad, but all the range of emotions are uh, lacking fear and having fearlessness or or having safety and security yes uh instead of having feelings of grief we can have feelings of uh equanimity instead mm-hmm. of having feelings of anger we can have whose banger is based upon fear and if we don't have mm-hmm. any fear we can in fact uh, um, uh meet anger with joy yes exactly so that that's what i was trying to get at uh like eventually you get to a point where uh, all of this negative stuff will stop being negative in the first place. Uh, and, uh, and also another question would be like, wouldn't the, the joy and the security, wouldn't that also have to be deconstructed as well at some point? Let us say that, that the whole show is a state of one relaxation to the next stage of relaxation to the next stage of relaxation. And somewhere fairly deep in there is joy. Mm. Where on the way to relaxation, even joy is more work than Mm. you really need to do. And so you can let the joy then kind of melt into what's called equanimity. 
Yes. But it's always in the sense of going in the direction of easygoing relaxation. Yes. Everything is all right. No problems. Yep. Mm -hmm. Easy peasy. Going in that direction always, making things more and more. So a scattered mind that's all over the place is a lot of work, and people don't even know it because that's their normal mind. So getting the mind in, in like all your ducks in a row, so that you have one wholesome thought after another after another, that's a whole lot less work. But then once we get very good at it, that too can be seen as more work. And so instead of having so many one thought after another, after another, we begin to put some gaps in it. And so we'll have a thought here, and then a thought there, and then a thought there, and things get easier and easier. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon we get to the point that there's not much thinking left done, but there is still exuberance. There is still a pity, sukha. There is still investigation. There is still all of those other things. The only mm -hmm. thing now that's missing is that wholesome, uh, let us call it uh, running commentary. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, running commentary, you know, back in the early days of radio that they would have baseball games, football games, and boxing matches, and they would have a blow-by-blow -blow description. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Those announcers can't talk as fast as the guys can hit each other. It's not really a blow-by-blow. -blow. <laughs> it's only a few of the, blow -by of the blows that get announced, okay? So when we stop doing a blow-by-blow -blow description and get into the fight itself, about, I mean, not the fight, but but the activities that are going on, you can see a whole lot more. You can't really see much when you're doing a blow-by-blow -blow description. That's the thinking mind. Mm -hmm. And so yes. when we put it finally to rest, now we can deal with those feelings, which seem immense, because mm -hmm. we really do get a big load of what it's like to feel really good, because we're not even right. thinking about how good we feel, and <laughs> it's just taken over. <laughs> mm -hmm. But then that begins to melt down into a state of sukha. And then from that sukha, it melts down into upeka, which means now when the mind is so stable, we can really, really see going back to that boxing match, some of the really delicate, detailed things of the way that yeah. your, uh, the mind is working. This is what we mean by going down to that level of beyond perception, down to consciousness. So yes. that we're no longer creating, um, uh, how to say it, we're, we're no longer creating any understanding or making any mental maps with what we're seeing. We're merely just seeing, we're merely conscious, yeah. we're not perceiving any of it. It's just experience mm -hmm. at that point. It's just complete experience, it's the awe. People fall into this quite naturally. They'll walk up to the edge of the Grand Canyon or sitting on the beach at sunset, and the mind just goes, <laughs> and about yeah. half of them say, where's my cell phone? I've got to get this on film, right? Yeah. And what they did yeah. is they just fell out of it, and they're not in that state anymore, that state of awe. And when anybody sees the photo that they took, nobody gets that sense of awe from a photo. No. you got to mm -hmm. be there for it. And the mind will just simply go blank, and things are just completely just nothing but to do, but to, uh, to receive the input of just how magnificent things are. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go to the Grand Canyon. You can look at that bush there, and it's the same experience when the mind is ready for that. Mm -hmm. By the way, that's quite a magnificent bush out here. On the <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I should charge rent because I mean it's better than Grand Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this is what we're talking about: is the sense of that the awe of when the scene is merely the scene, the herd is merely the herd, and we are not processing it into my image inside the mind. That's mm -hmm. the Salayatana, and that Salayatana is, uh, gives rise to the pasa or the kick that brings about the feelings. And when that uh, uh, Salayatana has junk in it that came out of the Sankara, when we did the perception, when we built that object in the mind, we polluted it with our own past. Yes. And so basically what we feel then is what we used to feel, not what's appropriate for right now. Yeah. It is completely uh, influenced by that previous uh, interpretation and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's the whole quality of the be here now means that we're not doing a whole lot of processing out of the past. We're not doing mm -hmm. a whole lot of perception. We're just taking in what is. Mm -hmm. And yes. so when you get really, really good at that, they call it the fourth jhana. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And yeah, thanks for that clarification. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be taking the, the the whole time here. So if Ben wants to ask some questions. I'll <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. I, I, I was I was thoroughly enjoying uh, listening, listening to all of that. That was a, a very, very, very in-depth and well-explained uh, section right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, that that's very valuable. In fact, for one student to listen to the answer yeah, yeah, yeah. to the students' questions, yeah, yes, yeah, very yeah. useful. Um, and so, um, and I liked what you said, Johnny. Uh, I think something that I've also tried to do in the past, where you said actually conjuring up the emotions and then sitting with them and then mm -hmm. being completely uh, equanimous with them, is something that I've also tried or thought about trying in the past so hearing you also say that i thought was uh quite interesting but yeah then what yeah Dalmarato said we don't want to be fostering any poop we just want to <laughs> be cultivating the wholesome yeah mm -hmm. but no yes. that was that was a very in-depth and very interesting uh discussion so uh so yeah excellent well let's finish off now then and i invite you to to communicate with each other you can talk about this or oh yeah yeah but we need to have a good sangha going so um yeah, yeah, now that yeah. you guys know each other uh mm -hmm. that that would be great yeah and yeah, so yeah. We'll, I'd, I'd love yeah. to chat to you more that sounds that sounds really good like like we were saying at the beginning talking about uh the dharma and the sangha is an extremely important mm -hmm. aspect mm -hmm. of it right I feel like I'm lacking in that a bit at the moment. So mm -hmm. the more people to talk to about it, the better. Excellent. Yep. And you do know that we also have the Discord. Oh, you've got mm -hmm. a Discord? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. okay. Oh, no, I was not aware that there was a Discord server for this. That's yeah, really there's interesting. there's a lot of stuff happening on, on Discord. Uh, 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 I think you have to have an invitation, so I'll yeah, send yeah, you yeah. one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's brilliant. I, I'm brilliant. already there. But, okay. Yeah. Oh, will you send him an invitation then? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I can do that. Yep. Okay. All brilliant. Right. 
Brilliant. Great. That's really good to know. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. This has been really great. I've enjoyed it. Yes, I'm glad yes, that you've gotten yes. something out of it. Yes, very much right. so. Very much Thank so. You. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye. Bye-bye. Lovely meeting you, yeah. Johnny. You too.